Today's episode of The Rewatchables on the Rare Podcast Network is brought to you by Sling TV. Millions of people have cut the cord and started slinging because slinging is about freedom. No long-term contract. Customize your channel lineup. Even change it from one month to the next. Catch the latest shows, live sports, and hit movies, including today's rewatchable Major League starting at just 25 bucks a month. Open up your relationship with TV. Start slinging. Go to sling.com slash rewatchables. They have a special offer just for our listeners. Wow. 14 days free when you enter the promo code ringer. That's sling.com slash rewatchables. Promo code ringer. Offer available to new customers only. Availability may vary by location. Other restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the ringer.com, the world's greatest website, where if you love Game of Thrones... I don't know what you're doing, not reading the stuff we're putting out, not listening to our binge mode podcast, um, not watching our post game show, which launches on Sunday. Talk the Thrones, go to our Twitter feed at ringer. You can watch it there. Or you can do hashtag talk the Thrones game of Thrones ends on Sunday night. Our post game show starts immediately. Mallory Rubin, Jason Concepcion, Chris Ryan breaking down anything and everything, explaining it to you, explaining what you just watched, helping you understand what's coming next. That is all coming up. And we have some great Game of Thrones stuff this week on the website, including uh, a meme bracket, which is pretty funny. And 25 greatest moments. Mallory and Jason counted them down. They did 25 videos about the 25 greatest moments of Game of Thrones. Check out all of that on the ringer.com. How's your wife and my kids? Major League coming up next. Harry Doyle here welcoming all of you to another season of Indians baseball. Don't you have any proven Major League talent? Now I want to put together a team that'll help us relocate to Miami. You want us to lose? We've been losing. What I want is for us to finish dead last. Tom Berenger. Zip around your skirt stuck. Use your imagination. Charlie Sheen. These things make me look ridiculous. Seeing's the most important thing, son. Major League. That ball wouldn't have been out of a lot of parks. Name one. Yellowstone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bill Simmons is here. My old Grantland teammate. My brother for life, Rembert Brown. He's here as well. How are you? This is your first Rewatchables appearance. Congratulations. This feels big for me. Um, Yeah. I, I have to give a I owe some gratitude to rewatchables because it's become the thing that I run to. Yeah. Like I I can't even I'm so ADD with music, like I'll make it two songs and then find a reason to stop working out. But with this, it's like, oh, I'm I'm exercising in the in the dead of New York winter while three of my favorite people make jokes about Con Air. I could do this for an hour and a half. So like I've actually lost 10 pounds because of the rewatchables. Well, we're very proud. Uh, we had this on the schedule for a while. It came out 30 years ago this week. And I was thinking over the weekend, who would be the perfect person to celebrate all the things that are just ridiculous about this movie and lovable. And then I was like, oh, Rembert. I bet Rembert likes this movie. I love this movie. And then, and then <laughs> to nobody's surprise, you're like, yeah, I love that movie. And I really want to have the Wesley Snipes conversation, which yep. I've been ready to have my whole life. Uh, let's start there, actually. Let's start with the Snipes Assance. The Snipes Assance. I'm so, I have so many, one of the big things about this, just to just like dive right into it, is even before we get into 
you know, the run that he had that yeah. I think this this kind of started. Um, is Wesley Snipes the best actor athlete ever? Well, I have some disturbing revelations for you later in this podcast. I'm just I was thinking about, about his athleticism. Okay. Oh man. See, so, like the, so the answer is already <laughs> no, but no. So, I don't want to step on the Snipes Assance, but I'm no, just no, telling you the answer is no. So I mean, actually, let me let me rephrase that. His is he the best actor? Does he have the best sheet of athlete roles? How about the the best sheet of of roles where he's moving? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay. If, then we can include Passenger Fifty Seven, and we can oh, include yeah. Money Train, and that's yeah. true. He, yeah. it's funny. I had Spike Lee on the podcast uh, like six weeks ago, and we were talking about John David Washington, and I was saying how I felt like John David Washington, the Wesley Snipes kind of seven year IMDb run, was sitting there for him because he's athletic. He could be an action yeah. guy. He could be a sports movie guy. He could be the cop in a cop movie. He's funny. Yeah, and. It it really illuminates how rare the 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 kind of Snipes phenomenon is, where he could be the bad guy in the Fugitive remake, he could be in Money Train, he could be Wet Man Can't Jump, he could be Willie Mays Hayes, he could be the guy saving the plane in Pasture Fifty Seven. There's just not a lot of actors like that, which is why we're talking about the Snipes Sons. Yeah, I I mean I think he is like absolutely incredible in this movie. Like he like he like his character is a character who you know thinks the world of himself, but also is, like, super happy to be here. Yeah. Which is also kind of where Wesley was as an actor in his real life. And I feel like, but he also knew, like, Wesley Snipes was was actually like, yo, I'm about to be a Hall of Famer. Right. The same way Willie Mays Hayes is like, uh, excuse me while I, like, start my run to the Hall of Fame. Like, it's, it's, it's a beautiful actor, real-life merger. It was a lot of charisma and a lot of swagger. And it is funny that this was his first major role because it was very similar. He just shows up on the scene. He's like, hi, I'm, I'm an A-list star now. And people <laughs> yeah. are like, wait, who are you? Yeah. So from 1989 to 95, this is his IMDb run. And there's only a couple, there's only one movie that I don't really remember what happens in. Major League, King of New York, which is the one I, I saw 30 years ago, but I don't remember what happens in that movie. Mo Great Better Blues, yeah. New Jack City, which, uh, has has stood the test of time. We'll say that. Jungle Fever, The Water Dance, which is actually a really good movie. Uh, White Man Can't Jump, Passenger 57. The best. He bangs out all of those in a five and a half year span. That's wild. And like you could, it's the type of thing where like the the five year span is incredible, but he's like pretty strong right up to Blade. Like he still has Demolition yeah. Man and Money Train and Murder at 1600, which is like a Denzel movie that he got to play. Uh, but, oh, yeah. Well, his next yeah. five movies after Pasture 57 were Boiling Point, Rising Sun, Demolition Man, Sugar Hill, Money Train. Not awful. Not right? awful. And yeah, not I mean, like Apex Snipes, but still not like the worst run in the world. I saw all yeah. those movies. But like all that happened before Blade. Yeah. Like that's that's incredible because like all that happened and then he got a trilogy. Well, he also, you know, we're talking about we talk about the action hero championship belt and the legacy of action movies and all that stuff for whatever reason. Well, I guess we could come up with one of the reasons, but uh, black people were not the stars of action movies. And you yeah. had Action Jackson, who was basically, <laughs> was basically the only one of the 80s. And it's funny that it took 
seven movies until they gave him Passenger 57. When it's so obvious that should have been greenlit the moment he was Willie Mays Hayes. Like, yeah. all right, can we have this guy save something now? But yeah, it took like seven fat, more yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I really like is that in the first 10 minutes, uh, Serrano, played by Dennis Haysbert. Incredible. Enters the movie looking like Blade. <laughs> I wonder if Wesley was like, yo, I love that look. Yeah. I got to do that one day. He, he filed it away. <laughs> um, he, one of the great things about him in this movie, and I feel the same way about Charlie Sheen, who's also incredible in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not in it a lot. They're not in it as much as I kind of want them to be in it, yo, which is why when they're, every scene that they're in it, you're, you're just excited that it's like, hey, it's, it's Willie Mays Hayes again. Oh, cool. It's Charlie Sheen. Yeah, you're right. It's, it, they, they're doled out very carefully. There are and, multiple moments in this movie where I'm like, I haven't seen Charlie Sheen in like 15 minutes. Yeah, there. Well, we'll we'll get to later the yeah. the biggest flaw of this movie, which which okay. took away some screen time for those guys. But Snipes was a thing. Wait, just out of curiosity, what what what's the number one Snipes character for you from that night 89 and 95 run, the legendary Snipes Assassin's run? Uh New Jack City. Like that's where I am too. Like, for some reason, New Jack City, I mean, this is so blasphemous to say, but, like, for some reason, New Jack City lives in the same part of my brain as Malcolm X. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Nino Brown is, like, the worst version of Malcolm X. Yeah. Well, but like, the, I mean, the rooftop scene, I think, is is one of, like, the seven or eight most memorable scenes of that entire generation of movies. Yeah. It holds up so, that movie... Like it feels like it's seven hours long. And oh I'm my fine god! With it. <laughs> like it's and for a movie to for a role to hold up more than uh, White Man Can Jump, which is like the like a perfect movie for me. Like I I just he he was he was incredible. It's also interesting that during the same era that his career is is blossoming and taking off in a, in a major way, Denzel's career is also taking off and blossoming in a major way. Yeah. And they were never at conflict. It was almost like a like a Jordan and Pippin type IMDb yeah. situation. Yeah. There's never, there's not a movie out of those eight where you would have said, you know what, we really needed Denzel for that one. I mean, that's true. New Jack City would have been really interesting if he's if he's the lead, Denzel. Other than that, I mean, Denzel and White Man Can't Jump. I I don't know if I would have bought it. He's almost like too famous. No, I think to- like I, I feel like Denzel hadn't. Denzel doesn't isn't doesn't work for New Jack City. Like he's not that like e- evil. Like from like a street no. sense. No, like you know, like I, there's just I feel like Denzel. You don't believe Denzel is like a bad guy until he gets older. I don't. I also know? don't think he could have pulled off the outfits. It would have been, seemed like oh, Denzel yeah. like dressing up as a bad guy. Whereas Wesley Snipe, it all seemed like. Any movie he's in, it all seems like clothes he would have actually worn in real life. Yeah. He's like, no, I don't need to go to the. I, I don't, I don't need a stylist. <laughs> yeah, tell me what color you need me in. But by the same token, like I wouldn't have wanted to see Wesley Snipes in in uh, Malcolm X or Philadelphia. Um, no, I might have wanted to. See, what was the movie with uh, John Lithgow? That that, oh. that what it, virtuosity? No, that yeah, was the Russell Crowe one. What, I f- I forget about virtuosity. Yeah, what, what, one of those action movies Snipes could have easily been in, but he he's really great. He's really charismatic, and they just ricochet, ricochet. There just hasn't really been anybody who has filled this specific type of actor 
kind of turf since, which is why I think John David Washington, I don't know if he's funny enough, but I mean, he's, I mean, he's got like really good comedic timing when he's, I'm uh, he's funny. Yeah. And when he's pretending to be like, especially over the phone in black Klansman, when he's pretending to be a white guy, like he's, he's hysterical. Like, I mean, he's got it. Yeah, well, he's, he, but he's more deadpan funny for me. Yeah, maybe maybe there's another side we haven't seen yet. Snipes like the white man can't jump because he's a terrible basketball player of that movie. They have to do a lot of slow-mo and a lot of <laughs> yeah. whatever, but he's the charisma that he had was really great. So, all right. So we love Snipes. There's a Charlie Sheen run that we're going to have to talk about. Okay. Um, Charlie Sheen from 86 to 89. It's, it's pretty epic. I got to say Lucas yeah. Ferris Bueller platoon. Wall Street, Young Guns, Eight Men Out, Major League. That's in four years. And wow, he like did not stop acting. No, and, and I like all of those movies. And uh, and he's really, really good and really, really likable in Major League. He's yeah. he's probably the those two characters are my favorite characters in the movie. And he really does seem like a baseball player. And then in the research, it comes out like he could throw 85. He wanted to play professional baseball, um, took steroids to get his fastball up for the movie, <laughs> which is amazing. Did he like talk about that in like a later, like a, yeah, he did. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's in my research. Um, and he's just really great as wild thing. This is, a, this is one of my favorite sports movie characters. Uh, where do you stand now that we have all the Charlie Sheen baggage? I mean, I, I, I look at him and I, uh, it's weird that in the beginning of the movie, I forget that like he becomes someone that I'm like rooting for. Yeah. Because he's such like an early movie dick. Uh, and just like, you know, the punk vibe, everything. But like he becomes, I have a, like my big take on this movie is that it's got like the one of the strongest fourth quarters of any film ever. Yeah, no question. Because the first hour of this movie, it's kind of like, so, like, what's the point of this movie? Like, you know, it just kind of drags. There's not a lot of baseball. It's just, like, a lot of, like, it's it's fine, but not really until you get to the point when they, like, uh, when the coach tells them about what the owner's plan is. Yeah. And and they're like, okay, we got to win the whole fucking thing. Like, yeah. That's when the movie becomes, like, an all-time classic. And what's but- funny, I think that's why it's a rewatchable, because... You know, in the old school way of watching TV where you're flipping channels, if you came into this movie about 60% in and that part was just about to come up, there's no way you're not watching it. You're like, oh, cool. Oh, they're about to go on a run? Okay. You're completely right. And I think that's the way I saw it a lot because when I went to go rewatch it, I hadn't seen it in years, but when I went to go rewatch it, I was like, wait, when does it happen? Like, did I make up what happens in Major League? Like, it, It took a minute. For it to really get going, but once it gets going, it's incredible. And Sheen, I mean, we I know we're gonna talk about, you know, like what scene, but you know, that last the game against the Yankees is just incredible. I mean Yeah, the first hour, there's just a lot of Jake Taylor trying to win Rene Russo back. Like <laughs> way more than like I remember. A creep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's coming up too. Um the uh the other one we should talk about for IMDB runs, who's the other big star of this movie, Tom Berenger. Yeah. Who, I always felt like was like I always like to compare the IMDb and the actor careers to basketball players. Yeah. It's like a Sidney Moncrief type of career for him in the eighties. Like okay. way better than anybody realized. It's gonna take him way longer to get in the Hall of Fame than it should. 
But then if you actually look at the resume, he's one of the signature actors of the 80s. He yeah, goes, yeah. The Big Chill, Eddie and the Cruisers, Platoon, Someone to Watch Over Me with Ridley Scott, Shoot to Kill, Major League, Born on the Fourth of July, and a seven-year run. That's pretty yeah. great. Cindy Moncrief is the perfect comparison point. Thank you. Because like, the amount that I know about Behringer is the amount that I know about Moncrief, which is like I have seven ba- basketball cards of his, but like I never saw him play. Yeah. Well, he was but, the best, the second best two guard of the eighties. He might actually, he was the best two guard of the eighties. Um, and he just kind of disappeared and Behringer was the same way. I had this great run. Um, all of a sudden he was like on cheers for a little bit and then became like a character actor, but he was a leading guy. He's great in the big chill. Yeah. Um, he was in training day, right? Didn't he have like yeah. a little? He yeah, has a right? he has a whole character actor run after he's in, he was in Sniper. He's a Wraith Bartholomew favorite. Uh, Love that. Also, wait, tell me because uh, I put Beringer and Corbin Burnson kind of together because like I know he was also like like I I never saw L A Law. Right. So L A Law. But I know people loved L.A. Law. Yeah, so there was this, the legacy of whatever the best TV drama was, you know, which you go back to, like, St. Elsewhere, early 80s. And Hill Street, actually, when Hill Street Blues, St. Elsewhere, L.A. Law. And L.A. Law had the crown for, like, I'm going to say, like, four or five years. And then it eventually became NYPD Blue and ER and then West Wing and all those shows. But L.A. Law was, like, the show for three, four years. And he was like the kind of dickish playboy. Was it like the practice, like that level type of show? Yeah. And you know, this guy had a history with this person and this person shouldn't have done that. And they're all actors, but it's very dated. Like it's very, very eighties. And he's, he kind of belongs to that era. This is, we're new apex mountain later. This is, he had LA law and this movie at the same time. It never got better for Corbin Burnson. But this, this was, this was the, uh, the legitimate, all-time impacts. So this movie, um, it was made by David Ward, a lifelong Cleveland Indians fan, who actually won an Oscar. He wrote The Sting. So he had some juice. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he thought um, the only way he was ever going to see the Indians actually win anything was if he made a sports movie about them. So he put a lot of time and thought into it. The The movie was partially uh, partially inspired by the Minnesota Twins owner, Calvin Griffith, who in the 1970s, when he was trying to make the the Metrodome Stadium, uh, negotiated for an escape clause in the team's lease, which said if the team's home attendance was under $1.4 million per season for three straight years, they could be released from its contract and leave Minnesota. And he actually let good players leave. He actually, <laughs> they actually did tank. And investors did buy the team and they almost moved into, um, moved to Tampa and then a local guy bought the team and saved it. So this actually happened, which I had no idea. Did you know that? That's cool. I like that. Um, and so he writes a script. He bakes, he based all the characters on different baseball players. He liked like Serrano is based on the Alou brothers, which was supposedly superstitious. Uh Willie Mays Hayes was based on Ricky Henderson. Um, so on and so on writes the script. These are Charlie Sheen's words now. When I saw the script, it wasn't like catnip. It was like crack. (laughs) It was probably as good a script as Platoon, seriously. (laughs) 
Charlie Sheen comparing Major League to Platoon. <laughs> that guy's done a lot of drugs. That is incredible. Yeah. So, uh, wow. So, anyway, great script, and everybody wanted to do it. And platoon, but baseball. <laughs> and then one of the hooks was, you know, he was with Behringer in Platoon. And the studio wanted to get both of them. And it was like a reunion with obviously a lot happier terms. The movie uh, was made for 11 million. It grossed nearly 50 million in domestic release. 82 on Rotten Tomatoes. Is that higher or lower than you wanted it to be? You know what? I think, I think it's, I think it should be around 86. (laughs) 88. Uh, Yeah. Our friend Roger Ebert, who takes a beating on here time to time. um, Uh He gave Major League Two one and a half stars, which I thought was fair. I could not find um, his ranking for Major League One. For some reason, he did not review it. It was apparently, if he did review it, I couldn't find it. Um, Okay. The the other ones are not that good. Major League Two is rough. It's kind of one of those... I'm okay with it. It happened. I've watched it a few times. Yeah. Um, I would also be okay if it never happened. And okay. that, and not having Wesley in major league two is, you know, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously a rough one. All right. It's time for the nominees for most rewatchable scene presented by Slink TV. If you need to refresh your memory of the nominated scenes for major league, which we'll get to in a second or prep from next week's rewatchable field of dreams. Oh my God. Oh my Lord. Mallory Rubin's going to be on that, and I'm making her cry. I'm just telling you now. That's going to be a good one. Look no further than Sling TV. Sling has both movies in their deep library of new and classic movies, current shows, and, of course, live sports. Watching your TV, phone, or tablet whenever and wherever. Sling has broken the traditional TV bundle. Customize your channel lineup from one month to the next. Watch what you want, when you want, where you want. They've also created a special ribbon for us in the Sling TV app with a bunch of the movies we've discussed on Rewatchables and the corresponding episodes of this podcast, including the last couple that we've done. Uh, baseball, it's back. NBA playoffs starting. NHL playoffs already started. Don't miss out. There's a better way to watch TV. It's with Sling. Sign up at sling.com slash rewatchables where they have a special offer just for our listeners. 14 days free when you're in a promo code or ringer. That is sling.com slash rewatchables. Promo code RINGER. Offer available to new customers only. Availability may vary by location. Other restrictions apply. And now, the nominees. All right, the most rewatchable scene. Remember, feel free to throw in one if I miss something. But here's what I thought were the most rewatchable scenes. And what's funny is most of them are, are, are the as we said, like the last 40% of the movie. Yeah. I like the spring training, the first day montage when we meet all the guys and Wesley Snipes oversleeps. And and then we see they got different guys doing and Charlie Sheen, you know, his fastball going all over the place. I just enjoy it. I like first day spring training montages. I actually wish we had a little more spring training in this. All of a sudden it was like, you know, who's going to make the team or not. Uh, red tag day is great. The red yeah. tag in the locker, Joe Boo with the snake. Uh, Corbin, uh, the Roger Dorn playing a prank on, on wild thing and putting the red tag in his locker, then flipping out. All of that is great. I don't know. Do you think they really did red tag day in real life? Cause it seems a little far-fetched. It seems a little, Absurd, but I, I mean, rewatching it and kind of, you know, I, it's super fun to rewatch a movie you haven't seen since in like a decade in full because I kind of forgot who was getting cut 
Like I yeah. because I was I there were outside of like the main characters, like there was that some actual tension. Yeah. Which I liked. It was a I mean, it was a good 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 plot point. I liked it. Uh, my my one thing with the spring training is I also love it, but the uh the combination of the, like the really like circusy music that they have going on, yeah. plus the manager just doing that thing where he just insults every player. It's like it's it's kind of amazing, but coming out of that like gruff, like I just smoked thirty five Marlboro Reds, yeah, like voice, it, it actually plays, it, it hits well. So yeah, I I, I also like uh, spring training. We're gonna talk about him later, but let's just say he's very well cast. <laughs> um, I don't have another rewatchable scene until the screw the owner, let's do this montage when the manager gets everyone together. It's 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 not a chill scene, but it's close where. You know, the team kind of just comes together and it's like, fuck this. Let's let's win the pennant. I can't believe she's doing this. Um Serrano's Homer in the Yankee. So the Yankee game oh I my have God. four. So maybe the whole Yankee, <laughs> yeah. the entire Yankee game might be the rewatchable scene. Um, but if we're gonna split it up, Serrano's Homer is great. Uh he did it in real life. He actually really did hit the Homer. Oh shit. And then he runs around the bases with his bat. Which I think is is absolutely the most underrated part of this whole movie. The, the like I literally wrote at the top of my sheet, like, why does anyone let go of their bat after a home run? <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, like talking about chills, like this isn't supposed to be a chills moment. Yeah. But when he comes around second and just like pumps his bat to the entire crowd as he's going to third, I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in baseball history. So you think you think uh, like Giancar- Giancarlo Stanton should just do this? Yeah, because he's so jacked. He's like holding a thing that's big for most people. Yeah, like like it's a, it's a sausage link. Yeah. yeah, and he's it. It literally looks like like I would go to war with him. Yeah, if he had a bat and he was running. I I love that scene. I'm kind of pissed that it never caught on. That scene's great. The big homer. They're down to nothing. They need some magic. Uh, so we got that one. Wild Thing's last walk to the mound, Wild Thing coming out of the bullpen and the crowd losing their fucking mind and singing Wild Thing and that whole walk. I hate this fucking song. That scene's just awesome. And they yeah. it's legitimate because they packed Milwaukee County Stadium with like 30,000 people and filmed that scene like two or three times. And Charlie Sheen was saying it was like the greatest moment of his life, like walking out of the bullpen, like he was ready to run through a wall. Uh, <laughs> it's really well filmed. And uh, it's, I just really love it. And then the next one, so I don't know if you grouped this together or not, but then him striking out uh, Clue Haywood. Yeah. On three pitches, just gassing three, it up. The, 101 the on the same last pitches, pitch. Right? Yeah. The, yeah. But that scene's really well filmed. And what, you know, one of my... Obviously, I love sports movies probably more than any other human being on the planet. Baseball pitchers, it's so hard to find an actor who could throw a baseball. And there's only been a couple, you know, and this is the big flaw of Bull Durham. And Charlie Sheen's actually a really good convincing pitcher because he was. Yeah. And he's throwing, you know, in the high 80s. They changed the mound. They made the mound 50 feet instead of 60. So it seemed like he was even faster than the yeah. pitching. And he, it just seems like 100% legitimate, all of it. It really does seem like he's this fireballing hundred mile an hour reliever who's striking out the best Yankee. Yeah. Great also, scene. also another reason that scene is so good is that 
Haywood is an actual he's an actual baseball player, the 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 actor. Yeah. Um the way he spits yeah, I'm like he has to be a baseball player. Like an actor does will never know how to spit as well as a baseball player, and it looks like it's so it shot so well. I, I love. And you know who that you know that guy won the Cy Young, right? Yeah, that's Pete Bukovic, crazy. Yeah, 1982 yeah, I mean, he, Cy Young so he, winner. So he was just a, a a huge pitcher. I think he added on some weight after his uh, okay. career because be he looks. Guess. I mean, he looks like a like a professional wrestler. So that K was great, and then. The uh, the actual ending with the bunt, the the Willie Mays scoring from second, Tom Berenger pointing to left field and then doing like the uh, running bunt, the slow motion of him running down the baseline, all that, the Willie Mays crossing home plate and then jumping in everybody's eye. All that's really well filmed. It's like a legitimate chill scene. It's really good. What uh, Did I miss any rewatchable scenes? Would you have added anything? Yeah. you. Uh, the one that I would have added was I love the Amex commercial. Okay. <laughs> right, I'm obsessed with it. So you're looking for some big league club. Apply for that little green home run heater. Look what it's done for us. People still don't recognize us, but we're contenders now. The American Express card. Don't steal home without it. It ending with Willie Mays sliding and saying, don't steal home without it. That's incredible. Yeah. But for me, like... It, I, I can't talk about this movie without discussing the fact that my favorite television show of all time is 24. Oh, yeah. Like, this is so wild to watch. But also in the, in the Amex commercial, it's like you hear the Allstate shit. Like, oh. he literally sounds like he's selling insurance. And I'm like, wow. This is, like, it's incredible. Like, so it's a double crossover. A, yeah. Yeah, it's a double crossover. But he's doing it in his in his... In his accent that I would uh, love to talk about at some point. <laughs> you know what's <laughs> funny? If American Express just released that as a commercial, just randomly just put that into like a Final Four game as an American yeah. Express commercial, people would lose their fucking minds. Yeah, that would be incredible. It was they, like- they should have done that for the 30th anniversary. You're right. Um, most rewatchable scene for you. What's the answer? My So yeah, it's, it's obviously from that game. I... <clears throat> I had it. I had it from. Um, I had it too large. I basically had like the game, but, <laughs> <laughs> which is like which is forty five minutes. But no, I think it's from. I think it's from the home run to the strikeout. Honestly, like from Serrano's home run. Yeah, that that is, and that th- those are pretty close together. So I guess we could cheat and say that's yeah. all one big scene. I'm okay with that. The one thing I will say is, the the final uh, Jake Taylor's at bat. It's so good because I forgot that he didn't hit a home run. Yeah. I forgot that he bunted. Yeah, that's true. I I, I actually, I had that for what's age the best. One of the what's age the best for me is, um, it was just really smart to do that and not have him hit the home run. Yeah. And I'm always impressed when I watch that movie that, that it's like, oh, they, they actually swerved on that one. He doesn't hit a home run. He does a freaking bunt. Yeah. Um, as just like another side one, like I just love, I do love, um, this movie has really good slow-mo. Yeah. Uh, and I love the opening slow-mo of Willie Mays Hayes in the pajamas. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Looking like, like, looking a lot like Mahershala, I noticed. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> it's like a, a lot like it. Uh, but yeah, I like that. But yeah, it's got to be the game. So yeah. All right. So what's age the best? I have a bunch of stuff for this. Um, <laughs> Me too. 
The opening credits that just capture how depressing Cleveland is, Cleveland's a little less depressing now, but not 100% less depressing. They really, really hammer it home. There's just a lot of smog and factories spitting out smoke (laughs) and sad bars and empty streets. It's very well done. So I have that. The cast is great. It's really, really, really well cast. Snipes, Sheen, Berenger, Corbin Burnson, Dennis Haysbert, who nobody had ever really heard of until that point. The owner, played by Margaret Witten, which became her defining role. The manager, James Gammon. Sports movie Hall of Famer, Chelsea Ross. We're going to get to him a little bit as Eddie Harris. I love him. I love Um, him. They just hit. And Renee Russo in her first movie. um, Just, I I would say, nine and a half out of ten with the casting in this. Yeah, and they casted really good actual baseball players. Yeah, they actually gave a shit about that, which was refreshing. Yeah, they didn't, like, that didn't bring the movie down. Even even Serrano really seemed like a realistic. I could see him in the league for twelve years with a lot of homers and a lot of strikeouts <laughs> yeah. as a yeah, DH. Had like, yeah, had like two hundred and twelve home runs. Yeah, and and <laughs> a million strikeouts. Uh, I think young Charlie Sheen has aged really well, just because it's like, oh, once upon a time, I liked that guy. Yeah, Bob Euchre as the lifelong local radio hack is has aged just wonderfully because Number these guys one. exist all over the place. Yeah. Especially NBA league pass. There's, mm-hmm. there's 20 Bob Euchers floating around in these different cities, but it's just, that was a great character. He's great in it. I don't know what the balance is between real life and him pretending to be like that. What do you think it was like 50, 50? I feel like it's 70, 30. <laughs> it might be 90, 10. Yeah. He's awesome. We'll get to him in a little bit. Um, I like the day-to-day aspect of a baseball season from the players and fans perspective. I thought it even for a short movie, it captured it well, kind of the ebb and flow of spring training and who's on the team this year. Um, Oh man, we suck. Wait, things are coming together. Uh Oh, something's happening. Like does a nice job hitting those checkpoints. Um, I'm stealing this from Danny Kelly, who wrote about major league a couple years ago for the ringer. Uh huh. He he thought it aged really nicely. Cleveland's pre-Moneyball strategy, Moneyball is still 15 years away, of going after guys who were good at one thing. So oh. Hayes for speed, Joe Boo for power, Vaughn for velocity, Taylor's defensive prowess. Um, this became a thing 15 years later. It's way ahead of the, way ahead of their time, the Indians. It's also it's also just like a really good, like often used sports thing. Yeah. Where like in in like the Mighty Ducks movies, like there's like the dude who's super fast, but doesn't know how to stop. You know, like there's always the thing where it's like, they're good at one thing, but yeah. they have a, a fatal flaw. Yeah. It's, it's just a good way to bring together like a ragtag group of people. Yeah. Ragtag. Good word. Um, James Gammon as the, as the manager, Lou, Lou Brown. Perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's so there's been a lot written about this movie. There's a lot of like oral histories and anniversary pieces and stuff like that. And one of the recurring themes is that uh James Gammon, extremely fun guy to hang out with. Uh last guy at the bar. Yeah. People constantly amazed that he showed up for work the next day. He's like one of those guys. I love reading about actors like that, but he was like the personification. And you're not gonna believe this, but him and Charlie Sheen really hit it off. Oh, I know it's hard to believe. Go figure. In in eighty nine, wow. <laughs> You're not going to believe this, but they they might have spent a few nights together. But yeah. he's just like the booze, the booze and cigarettes are just coming off him. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I'm obsessed with him. Like, he feels like the type of dude who just, like, has a lot of friends who are cops. Yeah, and, like, right. <laughs> like, like, it's like the one guy who, like, hangs out at the cop bar. And you it's know, like, the, I, the guy you'd ask if you wanted to have somebody killed, he would know somebody who could do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I I think he, but he's also like, I like the first version of his character. But then when the movie turns that corner and he has that scene where he's like talking about how the team has a lot of potential. Yeah. It's like, it's like surprisingly moving. Where they, he's like, he like, he like really believes in this team, blah, blah, blah. Like, I I love that he kind of tapped into some, you know, some some earnest vulnerability outside of just being like scruff and everything. Yeah, if I was a consultant on this movie, I probably would have thrown away one of the seven Tom Berenger, Rene Russo scenes and added the scene where he's James Gammons in the dugout kind of watching a game and yeah, you could kind of feel, feel him going over that little hump of I actually believe in these guys because <laughs> when he says that it's kind of out of nowhere, there's... <laughs> They're 60 and 61. There's no evidence there's a good team. All we've seen is like mishaps and guys running into each other. It's like, you know what? We could win the pennant. It's like, what? <laughs> What's the evidence? Where'd that come yeah. from? He's like, I saw I saw a guy catch two straight balls. I think we're going to win the pennant. <laughs> we've won two in a row. I think we've got this. So, uh, yeah, I would have set that up better. Um, another thing that's aged the best, the, it, it captures some of the fun baseball stuff from the day to day, like, uh, you know, like, like Eddie Harris, the rule bending, the, the vagisil on his, on his chest, oh, yeah, um, I like that. the weird superstitions born out in Joe Boo and, you know, the rum and all that, the, the drama and guys fucking somebody else's wife and all of it feels very baseball-y and realistic to me. Uh, another what's age the best, the Yankees is villains. Yeah, Which in 1989, a little controversial. They hadn't had the best decade. They had, the Yankees had lost their luster as the evil empire, and Major League just single handedly tried to bring it back, which I really appreciated. Yeah. D- does when that when this happens, do they have to get the Yankees' permission? I think so. Yeah. I think baseball was probably excited that somebody was doing a movie because they have to oh, use okay. the uniforms. They got to do. Yeah, yeah. They filmed in a couple different parks too. Like you see Fenway at one point. So they definitely. Like Charlie Sheen strikes out somebody. He's definitely in Fenway Park. So they uh, they definitely That's moved around. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing, Charlie Sheen is a pitcher we talked about earlier. So there's an oral history that Sports Illustrated did about this movie earlier in the decade. And Sheen said, I had a great arm. I was just born with it. I played at Santa Monica High, but because of academic shit, they pulled me off the team. Uh, always on brand, Charlie Sheen. And then <laughs> Behringer said, Behringer was catching him. He said, Charlie was great. The first day he started throwing to me, nine of his first 10 pitches were on the edge of the strike zone. That's how much control he had. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> who knew? Uh, Charlie Sheen, a better athlete than Wesley Snipes. Yeah, I mean, who knew? Uh, so mm-hmm. did I miss anything? What else is age the best for you? So I've got, <laughs> I've got like two weird ones, but just like I love the world of like managers having – like absurd hunches that go right. <laughs> like right. I'm upset. Like there's like he shouldn't have put in Charlie Sheen. No, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Like just no. You put mean in, in, the, in the Yankee game? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. like just that world of just like I got a hunch. Like I love the grizzled <laughs> old manager hunch. It's the best. It's like I would, I, it's like in cop movies. It's the same thing where the cops like I got a hunch he's gonna be at that bar. 
Yeah. I, I'm like, why? There's a lot of like, but why do you feel that way? But yeah. anyway, I love that. Um, I, I, this movie reminds me that, and I would love your opinion on this, that like, I think like worst to first works best in base, in baseball. Mm. It's the most realistic. It's the most realistic. It can't happen in the NBA. But it also, like, I feel baseball not being my number one movie is my favorite. It's my number one uh, movie, like, sports-type movie to watch. It's your least, it's not your favorite sport, but it's your favorite sports movie. Yeah, because, like, I I think stadium shots are more dramatic and amazing in baseball stadiums versus uh, a court or a football field. This one especially, but also just, like, I think it holds up in in what I didn't even realize was just like an era, like a like an eight year era of classic baseball movies. Oh yeah, there are a lot. Like I was, I was literally, I didn't even. It's realize a ten year era, but yeah, from like Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, League of Their Own, Sandlot, Rookie of the Year, Angels in the Outfield, The Natural. Like that's all. That's in like eight movies, and I mean eight years, which yeah. is like pretty wild because. I can't imagine two baseball movies coming out in consecutive years right now. Field of Dreams. Yeah, Field of it's Dreams. Natural started in 84 and then I you could count Naked Gun actually in 80, I think oh, that was yeah. 86 or 87 cuz that's got like a 20 minute baseball scene that's really funny. Yeah. Um, so like my well, I think just like baseball magic has aged super well, like the baseball magic aspect of um of like a team going worst to first. It really works in this movie you know what's funny uh, is you mentioned that that worst the first thing all those movies have a couple of the scenes that are almost like staples where the teams the ragtag teams just not doing well early and there's always like the pop-up where the three guys collide yeah. and you know the grounder off somebody's face and with they, like the not top 10 music happening yeah, in the background the strikeout the guy getting thrown out at second base like they hit all these beats and then when things turn around there's always the catch where somebody scales the wall. It's like it's almost 100%. like mandatory in a baseball film. It's like somebody's yeah. got to scale the wall and pull one back. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to say for what's age the best for me. I'm going to say Bob Euchre because that was my that was my number one. He's incredible because not only is he great in the movie, and not only did I enjoy him in 1989 when I saw this movie, but now when you see the local radio announcer hacks or the local TV hacks, um, these lifelong dudes, you never know if they're sober. <laughs> they're, they're just, they'll do anything to sell the narrative for the good narrative for the team. And it's just hard to separate any of them from Bob Euchre. Yeah. His oh, shadow wait. looms over yeah. all of them. One other one, because I have a I have the opposite for what's age the worst, but the use of the word fuck in this movie is fantastic. Oh, we should have put that in. The R rating is crucial. There's a couple it's, good motherfuckers. Oh um, yeah. Like, no that nudity. Was the, Weirdly no nudity other than like in the <laughs> locker room. But uh but yeah, there's a, some really good swearing in this movie. Yeah, that was the reason. The reason I was always so obsessed with this movie is like was because this was the sports movie I wasn't allowed to watch. It's it's a it's a very smart hook. In a in an era of lots of like little giants, yeah, and saying like lots of like movie, lots of sports movies aimed at kids and young teens. Like this was the one that I I could I didn't watch until I went to a sleepover. All right, and so then I got obsessed with it. What's age the worst? Charlie Sheen. He's aged terribly. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's age worse than Charlie Sheen? Nobody. 
wow, it's just hard to separate all the Charlie Sheen baggage from this movie. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, you almost have to approach it like it's just a completely different human being. Um, two black guys on the Indians total. They couldn't. They couldn't have messed around with that. They couldn't have had like six. I mean, there are also was, two black people in the entire stadium. <laughs> it's, it is. This is one of the whitest movies that's ever been made. Ever. But it, it, it's not like they made this in 1952. It's where like Pleasantville. <laughs> uh, another one stage the worst. All the euchre imitators in future sports movies. Oh yeah. Where they were like that character worked. Let's try to have our own version of the Bob Euchre thing. And it's really never worked ever. This is this is uh, a very unique success story. Um, this hurts. Wesley Snipes running. Yeah, just just lay it on me. Like <sighs> I, I hate doing this to you. Um You did it, you've done it to me many times. So like just like just just go. This is one of the worst things I've done for you. All of Wesley Snipes' running scenes were shown in slow motion to give the impression that he was running faster than he actually was because the director said the dirty secret was Wesley Snipes wasn't fast. Oh, my God. Yeah. And once I once I, I did the research before I watched the movie again, it really hurts the movie because I couldn't unsee it. And anytime he ran, I was just like, wow, Wesley Snipes isn't fast. Mo <laughs> oh Vaughn <God>. Hayes. <laughs> He's, you see his running style. Like he's just not fast. Like there was this play on, um, the, in baseball yesterday, Billy Hamilton is the fastest guy in the league. He scored from second on a, on a 400 foot sacrifice fly, fly ball. And he's so fast. And then I watch Wesley Snipes three hours later, who's supposed to be like the Billy Hamilton of this movie. That's like, Oh, like your appendages are all moving in different directions. Like he, he it's, it's hard to unsee. And I, I apologize. Um, yeah, that's, I, I don't, I don't love well, that. Well, it gets worse. Um, David Ward also said Wesley Snipes was not a very skilled baseball player in real life, hadn't really played and was so awful at throwing a baseball that they did not include any scenes of him throwing the ball. <laughs> Wait, is Wesley Snipes just like a nerdy theater kid? <laughs> he might be. <laughs> he might be like, the, like Daniel Day-Lewis or somebody. I don't know. <laughs> Cause he's also a bad basketball player. Like, oh he, like God. kind of famously they had to teach him how to play basketball, which leads to the question was Wesley Snipes a bad athlete. I, I, I was going to do this for unanswerable questions, but I think it's actually answerable. We have this director saying they couldn't include scenes of him throwing a baseball. I really set myself up by starting this podcast. Being I like, know. Is I, Wesley oh, <laughs> damn it. They had to show all of his running scenes in slow motion to make it seem like he was fast. So there's one scene where they show him stealing home, where they show him in full speed. I encourage you to watch that again. Cause oh, man. let's just say this. He's not flying. <laughs> he's, he's not zipping down the third baseline. Fun fact. It's not shot in slow motion. Yeah, it's <laughs> That's not, it's real time. Yeah. Unfortunately <laughs> they did that. Um, another what's age the worst, this quote from Corbin Burnson, Corbin Burnson, this is also going to really hurt your feelings. A couple of years after major league, I saw Wesley. I said, Hey man, they're going to make Major League Two. And he was like, you're going to do that? And I thought, wow, how quickly they forgot. He'd become Wesley Snipes. That rubbed me the wrong way. Wow. Wow. 
This is huh. tough. Tough for the Snipes of Sans. We're going to get through this, though. I still love Wesley Snipes, but yeah. Yeah, I mean. He just thought he was bigger than Major League. And uh, and that's why Omar Epps was cast as uh, Willie Mays Hayes. You could argue might have been better casting since he was actually a good I mean, athlete. Yeah. Also, like, I think there's a little Nino in Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm not that surprised. He had Corbin Burtson killed right after the comment. <laughs> So I think Omar Epps is actually my sports movie Hall of Fame. I mean, I'm kind of glad it happened because that helped out someone I love who was Omar Epps. Omar Epps had, he's the track star in higher learning. He's the kind of Alvin Kamara type running back in the program. He's Willie Mace Hayes. And he's in Love and Basketball where he makes the NBA. Legendary. I mean, to me, he's the sports movie Michael Jordan. And then 10 years later, he became Mike Tomlin. Oh, that's true. <laughs> they they look exactly then he the actually same. became the coach of the Steelers. <laughs> so that aged terribly. Um, all right. We got to talk about this Jake Taylor, Renee Russo relationship. Um, God, I've never been less invested in anything. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it is, it, it, uh, it, for all the what age the worst that we've done in the rewatchables, this is way up there. I have no idea why we're supposed to care about the relationship. It seems thrown in. We find out that they broke up because he cheated on her with a stewardess, one. And then two, she threw a surprise birthday party for him that he didn't show up at. And then somebody served him with paternity papers at the party, which cast a pall over the party. So I'd, why would she get back together with him at this point? We have I two like damaging facts. Yeah. Also, like they... It was just the pennant. They didn't even win the World Series. Right. And like, she- I feel like I feel like she really jumped the gun. I also just, I can't. I feel like she was like headed to like a really steady, nice life. And I just, I think it's a terrible She's decision. marrying this nice, wealthy lawyer at a nice apartment. Seemed like a nice guy. She could just be a librarian. <laughs> I'll wait till we do quotes. So my theory on this is Jake Taylor, huge penis. <laughs> really hung, like really, really well endowed. And she just had, she couldn't, couldn't shake it. Um, so the other part of this, what shades are worse, Jake Taylor, kind of a stalker. Oh, not, not, not kind of. He like, he sees her at the restaurant and does this contrived calls her from another phone in the restaurant and then interrupts her date and is cr- super creepy. He follows her to her place of employment at the library after she gives him the wrong phone number. So she'll ne- he'll never call her again. Falls her to the library anyway. Then shows up at her boyfriend's dinner party, falls her to this place and just goes into the party. It's a party of eight people. Just walks in, not invited. And then sees her at the baseball game, follows her home in the bullpen car, leading to the immortal quote from her. Did you follow me again? <laughs> Jake Taylor, stalker. Why am I invested in this relationship? Why? The reason it's so messed up is because it has set a terrible precedent, which is that it should work. Like, that it worked. Yeah. Like, this this opened the door for a generation of movie of stalking. Yeah, I mean, we had this in Say Anything, too. There was this whole generation of movie stalkers. Um very strange, and I have no idea why they got back together, which leads me to the other what's age the worst. The freeze frame ending, great chill scene, awesome. Then he sees her in the stands. She comes out in the field. He picks her up, and then everybody kind of 
kind of kind of uh, <laughs> closes in around them and she holds her up and then they freeze frame it. Like she's part of this pennant thing. It's like, you, you were barely in the movie. Why are you in this? <laughs> no one knows her. Yeah, who are you? <laughs> They've met her like twice. Um, yeah, so what's age the worst for you? <laughs> Those are some great candidates. Those are some great candidates. I have a couple. One, I'm not, con- I mean, I don't want to, I want to put respect on uh, David S. Ward's name. Yeah. Because he wrote The Sting. Great job, I'm not, con- I'm not convinced, based off of Serrano's character, that he has ever met a black person as of 1989. <laughs> 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 the amount of things that are just happening. Yeah. Like, there's, like, three languages happening. There's, like, voodoo. Like, is he Haitian? Every time he talks, there's, like, this, like, tribal music that happens in the background in the locker room. Yeah, that wasn't... <laughs> like, there's so much happening that it's just, like, so not okay. Is he, it, is, it is so bad. Was he Haitian? What was it? Dominican? He was he was Haitian, but was saying phrases that were Mexican. And Well, if he based him on the Alou brothers, that means he's probably thinking Dominican. Yeah. But also... I just like the as much as I love the Serrano at bat, the fact that he hit a home run after just being like, you know what, Voodoo, I'm done with you. <laughs> I believe in Jesus Christ now. It undermined the movie. <laughs> and then he gets good at baseball. Yeah. I'm just like, what I I, I don't know. So this I movie was like, anti voodoo. Ultimately the like, lesson is don't do voodoo. Yeah, the movie is like is like David S. Ward has a has a problem with voodoo. Probably hates New Orleans. Um, <laughs> so I have I just have an issue. Like also like the That's way the speech pattern he talks. There's this one part he's like, "I can no hit curveballs." I'm like, "Is he a caveman? <laughs> like what is going on?" It's a wild role, and I feel like Dennis Haysbert was kind of just like, "Fuck this," but like I got I want to be a star. Yeah, this um, is my this is my road to stardom. I'll yeah. do whatever it takes. So that's my, that's my number one. So you think say. if this movie came out now, there would be a whole Twitter controversy online and hashtag oh Serrano's God. racist and all this stuff. It wouldn't yeah, go and great. like for the first time, I would be like the main person being like, "This is bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> um, I also like. I'm not the biggest fan of the tagline for home runs being off the reservation. Yeah, it's the eighties. It's the eighties. Again, again, I hasn't aged great. It just didn't age great, you know. Like someone being like, "Show me a good sports movie," you know. It's just it's a it's a it's a tough one to you know for that part to (laughs) (laughs) to throw out in twenty nineteen. I um, yeah. Outside of that, so I'm gonna go. I vote for. uh, Boy, these are some great candidates. I think, That's a lot. <laughs> I think what age, what's age the worst is Charlie Sheen, who is one of the all-time celebrity train wrecks that we have. And it's really hard to separate that from this movie. But honorable runner-ups to the the Jake Taylor stalking and Wesley Snipes running. Yeah. And then all the stuff you mentioned. I think everything's <laughs> I think you have not, a nine-way tie for first place. Yet the movie ha- like the movie as a whole still has aged well. It's really especially great. that the, those last 35 minutes. Yeah. Let's take a break to talk about black tux. Weddings can have 99 problems, but the groom's look shouldn't be one. That's why the blacktux.com designs rental suits and tuxedos that you'll love. Even if you end up getting featured on a list of 23 epic wedding fails, 
at least you'll look good for your close-up. The black tux and easy ordering process online brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Pick a style at theblacktux.com. Request a free home try-on. You can feel the fit and quality before you commit. The Black Tux also has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding. Check it out one last time. Hopefully you'll like it. With over 5,000 five-star reviews, you probably will. You definitely will. You won't find a rental experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. Nephew Kyle uses it. That's how I know it's great. Nephew Kyle's going to have to go to a lot of weddings. So is producer Craig. How old are you now? 24. Oh, you have a lot of weddings like two years from now. I have one in two months. Oh, so it's starting. Yeah, like 26, 27, that's when it really goes. Well, you have to use the Black Tux. Rent your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com. Enjoy $20 off with code rewatchables. You may have to do that, Craig. That's theblacktux.com, code rewatchables for $20 off your purchase back to Major League. Uh, all right, casting what ifs. Only have a couple. They wanted Diane Cannon for the role of Rachel Phelps, the filmmakers, but the studio really wanted uh, Margaret Witten. So Diane Cannon. So now she just had Laker games. I think she's a great, I think she's a great villain in this movie. She's really good. Um, Ward said a lot of people don't know this, but Jeremy Piven was in the movie. He was a bench jockey and all the bits were him yelling insults at opposing teams and it didn't really work. And I cut the whole thing. He was, I'm sure he was disappointed at the time. Damn. Jeremy Piven. Huh? Hmm. Uh, Renee Russo was a model, had never acted before when she got this movie. I, that's not a casting what if. I just was was shocked by that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like that. Other than that, they cast everybody they want to cast. Deion Waiters. This is tough. Because uh, the Deion Waiters, this is basically like, it's all supporting roles in this movie. Yeah. There's no real star other than Behringer. Um, I, I've decided to make Charlie Sheen, Wesley Snipes, Corbin Bernstein. All of them are ineligible for Deion Waiters. Um, okay. I think the only acceptable candidates, I think, are the... For, for the limited amount of time they're in for the impact, I think, are the owner and Bob Euchre. So I'll let you pick. I really would, in your mind, would uh, Haywood count as a Dion Waiters Award? Oh, that's great. Clue Haywood. Yeah, that's, let's do that's him. What, that's my vote. Great. Pete Vukovic is Clue Haywood. Vukovic. The other acceptable candidate would have been Bob Euchre's partner. Who do, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I do like him a lot. lot. <laughs> he just has weird faces. I enjoyed that guy too. Yeah. All right. Half-ass internet research. There's some beauties here. Snipes turned down a role and do the right thing in order to start a major league. Really? Not sure what role. Um, huh. But yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was like Sam Jackson's character. I don't know. And That's then, cool. I just found this out. I was stunned by this. Tom Berenger turned down the role of Sonny Crockett on Miami Vice. Which is really funny because he dresses like he's in Miami Vice. Like he, he dresses like Sonny <laughs> Crockett. So I feel like he might have regretted it. Yeah. He's like, I already bought the uniform. I already bought the outfit. He's like always wearing white and salmon blazers and light jeans. Yeah. An alternate ending on the Wild Thing edition on the DVD shows a very different way for Rachel Phelps for her arc to end. Um, Lou announces he's resigning. Phelps reveals the threatened move to Miami was merely a ruse to motivate the team and that they were on the verge of bankruptcy when she inherited them and that she felt like he was the right manager to lead the ragtag group along. And um, and this all worked out. And the audiences hated it. 
And they were like, why, why did you make this person a good person all along? Stop it. So they cut yeah. it. They got rid of that. Um, we mentioned, despite being set in Cleveland, the film was principally shot in Milwaukee. Much cheaper. They shot at Milwaukee County Stadium. Milwaukee County Stadium is now a Little League baseball field called uh, Hellfire Field. Uh, so, yeah. H- Hellfire. Hellfi- Hellfire Field. I think okay. something like that. Uh, 20,000 extras in the stands for the Yankee game. Dennis Haysbert, when the team ran out in the field with the crowd roaring, Dennis Haysbert, a strong, strong rock of a man, admitted to being emotionally overwhelmed by the experience. I get it. Yeah. And Steve Yeager, who is a, te- a former player, technical advisor, he noticed how overwhelmed he was, and he said, that's what it's like 162 games a year. He was he was the third base coach. He was. And he yeah. was also Behringer's stunt double at catcher. So we had that. Uh, Duke Simpson, the Yankees pitcher, was played by Willie Mueller, who is apparently a major league player. I I don't remember him. Chelsea Ross, sports movie Hall of Famer. Can you name the other big two movies he was in? You know, I can't, but the first 20 minutes of the movie, I thought it was Billy Bob Thornton. (laughs) He he, he did look like (laughs) his older brother. So he was the bad guy in Hoosiers. Oh, yeah, duh. And he was Dan Devine and Rudy. He was the Notre Dame coach. Oh, my God. He is... Hall wow. of Famer. We make the sports movie Hall of Fame. He's in. So oh he said goodness. he was 45. He pitched in college at Southwest Texas State, and it had been 20 years since he threw a ball. Huh. Um, Sheen hurt his shoulder during the during the um, filming because they were throwing so many uh, fastballs every day, and said on the way to work he would stop at the doctors for cortisone shots, shots and anti-inflammatories. <laughs> This is the movie that might have really pushed Charlie Sheen's drug habit over the edge. <laughs> um, so Mitch Williams, remember him? The closer? Yeah. He joined the Cubs in 1989, the same year this movie came out. And they started, that's how he got the nickname Wild Thing. And that's when he started coming out of the bullpen and the Wrigley Field organist on the Cubs would play Wild Thing. And this movie amazingly, and I think it's true, unless somebody can prove me wrong, created closer entrance music. Ooh, oh, yeah. I love that. So the Charlie Sheen, the wild thing, gets borrowed by Mitch Williams and the Cubs and then becomes a thing and leads to 30 years of closer music. So that's probably the biggest, maybe we should put that as the what's age the best that's like closer a, that's music. That's like true cultural impact. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, Another bad Wesley Snipe story. Somebody, apparently he was complaining because they kept shooting him sliding. And he said, what was wrong with that one? And Steve Yeager said he had strawberries from all the sliding. He didn't want to do it anymore because it hurt. And Steve Yeager said, I know it hurts. I've been doing it for 20 years. Um, Come on, Wesley. I feel like, I wow, he. it's like he got an ego before the movie even came out. Yeah, it's tough. Um, Rachel Phelps' ultimate goal was to move in the Indians to Miami. Made this movie in 89. Eight years later, the real-life Indians lost to the Florida Marlins based in Miami. That's fucking weird. Huh. Yeah. Wait, can I, can, I, can I bring up one quick Wesley thing that I completely forgot? Yeah. Can you imagine going on a date with Willie Mays Hayes and he takes you home and there's 85 dirty black gloves nailed to the wall? <laughs> <laughs> like, what a creepy... Way to live. Yeah, that's pretty strange. I just, like, I could stop thinking about just, like, 
how that would play out in real life with like company over. There was a scene shot with Jake and Lynn Wells, the Rene Russo character, where they got wow. married. That was going to be after the Yankee game that they deleted. Thank God. Thank God. They should have deleted the entire character. Um, Haysbird said he hit it at Milwaukee County Stadium in that homer in the Yankee game, 315 feet, 315 feet down the line and left. Um, it hit the top of the wall and went over. He was stoked. Haysbird also said, I don't think there was ever a closer cast. We hung out together. We went to bars together. We were a team. James Gammon had these great poker games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then here we go. You're going to love this. Charlie Sheen on James Gammon. James Gammon? You want to talk about an absolute fucking warlock? This guy <laughs> shows up one morning and he's so hungover that he has the bar still attached to his head. I've never seen a man in this much pain trying to make a cup of coffee. He was an awesome dude. <laughs> <laughs> fucking tiger blood. <laughs> warlock. It's an inspiration. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, you're not going to believe this, but James Gammon not alive anymore. <laughs> I mean, God, I mean, James Gammon's one of those dudes that, like, he's like white Danny Glover. Like, I can't even imagine him <laughs> under 50 years old. <laughs> Wilford uh, Brimley. Yeah. Uh, Corbin Burtson on Charlie Sheen. This is all, all from the oral history about it. <laughs> Charlie was the ringleader. He was a chick magnet. It was the most astonishing thing any of us had ever seen. He was the Pied Piper of Beautiful Women. And then Ward said, Charlie had a lot of women flying in and out of Milwaukee. His biggest problem was trying to coordinate the airline schedule so that these women wouldn't run into each other. And then Sheen follows that up this. It wasn't as bad as on Young Guns a year earlier. We made that one in Santa Fe. You would fly into Albuquerque and drive to Santa Fe on a two-lane highway. The girls that were leaving would pass the ones coming in. Major League was so physically demanding, you didn't have a lot of time for that. Charlie Sheen. Wow. I, I, not a, not a surprise how the last ten years of his life has played out. Uh, Burnson actually mistakenly punched Charlie Sheen at the ending. It's a good punch. He hits him, and he and apparently he had a welt. <laughs> it's a really good <laughs> yeah. punch. That that punch is also unexpected, which I love. You just like I, again, I forgot. Like you know, all the people who were rivals come together, and I was like, oh yeah, they're gonna. Oh, he got punched. That's great. So the lady who played Roger Dorn's wife. Who is not Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> I think Jamie Lee turned it down last minute. Because I thought, again, I was like, I know who that, nope, that's not Jamie Lee Curtis. Her name was Stacey Carroll. Two IMDb credits, that's it. Never acted again after this movie. Just decided to raise a family. 13-year-old me, huge fan of her. Yeah. In that movie. So some sad news. Margaret Witten, the owner. Not no yeah. longer with us. Died in 2016. Oh, no. Yeah, I was I was like, oh, oh um, man. But has this whole crazy backstory. She dated Ron Shelton, and who wrote who wrote and directed Bull Durham in 1988. Yeah. She maintained that she helped write the film when they were dating. She sued him. He denied the claims. He said it was pat patently false. But according to a court document, she received $100,000 and 2% of the film's net profits to settle her claims. Margaret Witten. I believe her. How weird is that? That's a, that's a, that is not the story I expected you to tell. Yeah. So that's it for Half-Ass Internet Research. Apex Mountain. Um, I mean. I, I, Charlie Sheen, yes? Or is it Two and a Half Men? I mean, Two and a Half Men was the most successful show of yeah. for like eight straight years. I don't I know. I thought I was 
I was leaning towards that until I fr- I, I forget about Two and a Half Men. I it's got to be Two it, and a Half Men. It, yeah. Is it not Behringer? Like, I feel like, I, I mean, this is like the end of his great run. I don't know. I was gonna say I was gonna say platoon for Behringer because did, did he did he win he won did he win an uh, Oscar for no William Defoe did I don't know if Behringer did he definitely got nominated um but bit platoon allowed him to make movies like this so I, it's somewhere in there I, I don't know if it's definitive I think for Margaret Witten definitely James Gammon definitely um but for the big stars I I don't think it was Apex Mountain for any of them. It's not Haysbert because no, President Haysbert. Palmer is. I mean, President Palmer is iconic. Oh. This movie paved the way for President Palmer. <laughs> it paved the way for Barack Obama <laughs> via President Palmer. <laughs> Without this movie, there's no Barack Obama. <laughs> uh, uh, the Joey Pants Award, named after Joe Pantaleone for best that guy. We uh, It's James Gammon or Chelsea Ross. I feel like people know who James Gammon is. I don't think people know that Chelsea Ross's name is Chelsea Ross. They just know him as yeah. Eddie Harris or the guy from Hoosiers or the guy from Major League. So he wins that one. Um, would this movie have been better with Danny Trejo, Steve Buscemi, or Michael K. Williams? Uh, we needed Michael K. Williams in this movie because he would have been the third black person in it. <laughs> yeah. So he yeah, wins. Even, yeah, even if he's in the stands, yeah. just like another black person in the stands. I'm, I'm here for that. The Saul Rubinick They Knew Award for uh, for Best Overacting. I got to go. I, you you probably feel differently. I have to go with Roger Dorn fielding grounders at third base like he was being shot by snipers. <laughs> Wait, did we ever figure out why? <laughs> why was it so debilitated to field hard grounders? I've never seen anybody react to them like that. Yeah, like, I mean, unless you're eight years old. Like, he's in the... Major leagues. He's like, in the major it, leagues. He's he's far enough away from the batter's box that it shouldn't be like he's getting shot at. My son is 11 years old and plays third base and is good at third base and has never reacted to a grounder like that ever. And he's 11. So I don't know. I don't know what you're doing, Roger Dorn. Um, picking nits. We've picked a lot of nits already. I, I just have two extra ones. Yeah. They mention it. Rene Russo says at one point in the dinner party that Jake used to be one of the best catchers in baseball. Until his knees went. Do we really believe Jake Taylor is one of the best catchers in baseball? Was he like, where, am I supposed to think he was like a Mike Piazza in the early 80s? He just like, ne- he never really gave off that good of an athlete or baseball. No, no, I don't. His throwing, it wasn't like Tim Robbins, Bull Durham bad, but it, it certainly didn't look like he had a cannon either. And I think they stunt doubled him a lot. I don't think he was terrible. Serrano, on the other hand. Serrano's like. Has a yeah. cannon. So yeah, Serrano's. He's basically Yasiel Puig 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, the game-winning bunt, I just don't think Jake Taylor beats it out with his bad knees. I'm so, even if it took the guy by surprise, I still think he's out. Yeah, he needed, like, the Angels from Angels in the outfield to fly him <laughs> to first base. Like, uh, nah. Or it should have been the third baseman should have been coming over to the third base bag because Willie Mays Hayes was stealing. And that yeah. should have gone sideways and that should have thrown him off balance. Do you have any other nitpicks that we haven't already covered? I have one big one. Okay. Um, so you in the dinner party scene. Not a great scene. No. Um, he mentions that he makes league minimum. Yeah. I type this is actually amazing. I typed in league minimum and it auto-populated 1989. Really? As in, like, someone had the same question, like, what was the league minimum for major league? The movie. And what was it? 68K. Oh. Adjusted for inflation, 8, 1989, 
That's $141,000. I feel like they make it seem like Behringer's are minimum wage. Right. His, ca- his car is like busted. He's living with Charlie Sheen, which they never yeah. really explain. It's just thrown into one scene. Yeah, I feel like they really make it seem like he is like living like in a halfway house and has no money. But I feel like, you know, he's still a professional baseball player. He's got some money. Also, That's my only nitpick. So I have, I have, I have two other nitpicks based on this nitpick. Mm-hmm. This guy is such a horn dog that he's like banging stewardesses and getting served with paternity suits at his birthday party and is now asexual in his early 30s. That's yeah. it. He just gave it gave up sex. He's like, we never see him try to hook up with anybody. He just the loves whole movie. He just loves Moby Dick. Um, how do him and Ricky Vaughn end up living together? How is yeah, that I, decided? Why would he want to live with this fucking weirdo who just got out of prison? This guy, he was allegedly one of the best catchers in baseball. Why doesn't he have more money? Why didn't he live? Why didn't he have like at least a condo in Cleveland that yeah, he was the, just the by fi- himself? The financials don't make any he sense. He needed a roommate? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like a three-time all-star. He's like, I need a roommate. Should I live with yeah. Serrano or Ricky Vaughn? Hmm. His car had like no hubcaps and was like <laughs> like making like like stumbling to the curb. It was yeah, I, it didn't make any sense. Oh, I have another. I I hesitate to put this as a nitpick, but I'm putting it on anyway. I'd love to know how long it took to actually drive the bullpen car from the stadium to <laughs> Renee Russo's house because those things don't go faster than like 15 miles an hour. Yeah, he got also, there eight hours later. Yeah, is there like a dedicated sidewalk from the stadium to her house? Like, are you on the road? They should have had a scene where he's just on a, on a road with cars honking behind him. He's going twelve miles an hour. Yeah, you're, actually, that 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 is completely true. There's no way he makes that party. The uh, the other thing was Tom Berenger supposed to be like '80s hot. I think he was. Okay, '80s like rugged, huh. rugged, handsome. Okay, type of look. I can't remember my other question I had, but those are those are some solid. Oh, my other picking nits. I, I remember. Yes, yes. Um, so Roger Dorn's wife sees him on TV leaving the hotel with a girl. He somehow doesn't realize he's on TV, even though there's a camera crew with an announcer. Like it, it, he's the worst adulterer probably of all time. Has no idea he's being filmed or anything. Um, the wife decides to get to revenge, and she's going to sleep with Charlie Sheen. How does she find Charlie Sheen? Did, did, did he have a yeah. bar he was hanging out with? And if he did have a bar that everybody knew he hung out with, wouldn't he be surrounded by girls already? He's by himself in this empty bar. He's like a famous guy in the Indians. They're about to be a, play a playoff game. They really make Cleveland seem like it's a town of 40 700. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, there's there's only one bar. Yeah. You know, like it, it you know, he, he makes, yeah, it just, that doesn't make any sense, but. All right, one other nitpick. Ben Lindbergh actually wrote about this on The Ringer today. This is a sports movie staple for baseball movies where they always screw up the lineup. They think we're never going to notice, but they don't realize we were going to watch this 700 times. So Serrano hits a homer with two outs in the uh, seventh inning. And the way the order works, the top of the order is Hayes, Jake Taylor, for some reason, batting second, Roger Doran third, and Serrano fourth. Uh, Serrano's homer comes two outs, so the third out is conceivably made by the uh, number five hitter. Then in the eighth inning, you figure they go out one, two, three in the eighth, and Tomlinson should lead off the ninth. Yeah. Um, because he's ostensibly the ninth hitter because Hayes comes up after him. Uh, as Ben Lindbergh points out, 
Tomlinson comes up with one out in the ninth. So there's five outs, but there's only four spots between <laughs> Serrano and Tomlinson. So either the Indians batted out of order or they used a 10th hitter or um, they just completely screwed this up or I, I'm not sure what really happened on this one. But again, a baseball movie staple of uh, batting out of order and hoping that we never notice. Huh. All right. Best quote. Oh, my God. This guy's dead. Cross him off then. Obviously, it's time for some changes. This guy here is dead. Cross him off then. Hats for bats. Keep bats warm. Hey, big guy. You a golfer? Hats for bats. Yeah? What's your handicap? Keep bats warm. Yes. Just a bit outside. Vaughn into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. How's your wife and my kids? Up your butt, Joe Boo. Fuck you, Joe Boo. I do it myself. And then the guy threw it his own son in a father-son game. <laughs> what other quotes do you have? Um, Jake Taylor in the library when he's trying to convince her that he likes books. Yeah. He goes, I'll check it out right now. Is this the whale section? You're still sore I never read Moby Dick? You never read anything I asked you to. All right, I'll check it out now. Oh, is this the whale section? I'll bet what's his name at the restaurant Tom. read it. His name's Tommy. Keep your voice down. <laughs> About Moby Dick. <laughs> that kills me. I don't know why. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's also um, uh, Willie Mays Hayes going, uh, we should have gotten the live chicken. Yeah, yeah. When they give him the KFC. Um, <laughs> the live chicken. I really like, I don't know why, but I really like when Willie Mays Hayes gets on base the first time. Just goes, excuse me, got to take my first steps to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> it made me think about like, that's like, that's like what I thought in my head, like every time I opened my laptop in like 2011. I'm like, this Red blog post. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to go to the Hall of Fame. Um, and then finally, I just really like during the wild thing when the owner's like, I hate this fucking song. Yeah, that was good. That's a good quote. What's your favorite? Of those, I mean, I think the, the um, I guess there's one thing left to do, win the whole fucking thing. I think that's just like an iconic quote. Well, then I guess there's only one thing left to do. What's that? Win the whole fucking thing. Just a bit outside has been the quote oh, yeah. that has been bastardized the most. And I actually don't like it now because the, the announcers all think they're being funny when they say they it. They ruined it for you? Yeah, they ruined it for me. No one's Euchre. No one's Euchre. Just stop being Bob Euchre. It's not happening. I uh, I really love hats for bats. Keep bats yeah. warm. It fucking <laughs> kills me. Uh, but... My favorite is fuck you, Joe Boo. I do it myself. See, stop now, Joe Boo. Look, I go to you. I stick up for you. You know, help me now. Say, fuck you, Joe Boo. I do it myself. <laughs> that, by the way, I highly encourage anybody <laughs> to use that as their high school yearbook quote. <laughs> Yeah, some teacher will love it. They'll be like, oh, okay, I like that. Is that are they doing high school yearbook quote? They're handing them in right now, right? Do fuck yeah. you, boo, fuck you, Joe Boo. I do it myself. Great. Yeah, that is that is that'll a be really a big win. Quote. Everybody will be impressed. Uh next <laughs> category. Yeah. Could this be remade as a 10 episode Netflix show? Um, yes, please. How, how could this happen? Yeah. Can we do it? I would I would a hundred percent take it. I would love it. So the news comes out. 
they're remaking Major League and it's now going to be a 13-episode Netflix series. What's your reaction? I'm immediately like, who is Charlie Sheen? Who's Wild Thing? <laughs> Who's yeah. going to be Lou Brown? Who's the owner? I'm in. <laughs> Just do it. Make it happen. Maybe don't pick. I I wouldn't do Cleveland this time though. I'd pick another city. I'd pick a yeah, more depressed. I'd do like the Miami Marlins or something. Yeah. Although I guess they've won a couple World Series. Um, what's like what's Seattle? Like, the Mariners. Yeah. Are they like what's the worst? Well, the Mariners city? have never won. Yeah, that's true. But they were one of the only teams left. Um, yeah, I'm in. Whoever decides these things, go make Major League yeah, the Netflix please show. Please do that. Please do that. Probably unanswerable questions. We've covered everything uh, except I have two. So they say Dorn, Roger Dorn's stats in the last game that he had 271, 86 RBI. They also say in that game, Willie Mays Hayes was hitting 291, which I was shocked by. Yeah. Um, un, unanswered questions. How many steals did Willie Mays Hayes have that season? I would say somewhere between 60 to 70, right? So, so he didn't get it. What do you mean? What, what was his plan to get 100? I don't think he got 100. I think they okay, would have said it in the game. Sure. So I'm going to say like 70 range. Um, what was Serrano's K's to home run ratio? Yeah. That's I a, think that's figured he had one. like 32 homers and like 220 K's. Yeah, he like never hit a double. No. You know, like <laughs> just only dingers. Eddie Harris wins. Say maybe like a 16 and 10 type season for Eddie. If they, okay. if they won 92, somebody yeah. had to win games. And I think Charlie Sheen around the same, probably like 15 and 11, 15 and 10. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I needed more stats in the final game. I really enjoyed the stats. I was like, wow, Roger Dorn has 86 RBIs. Wow. Yeah. I'm shocked. Um, we covered, did this event closer music? And then my final unanswerable question, because this movie came out the same year, uh, or a year earlier than bull or a year later than bull Durham would bull Durham have been better off if Charlie Sheen was nuke LaRouche. Ooh. Yeah. Cause I'm saying yes. Yeah. I would sacrifice I, you, Charlie from this movie to make bull Durham better. You think that there's a, you can sub in someone for Charlie and still make major league work. I'm saying if he's in the nuke LaRouche role, Bull Durham becomes the best movie of all time. Okay. Anything better I mean, than Citizen Kane, The Godfather, uh, I, everything. I, 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 I want both movies to continue to exist. So you like though, both movies. Okay. But but what I will say is I think it's easier to substitute Charlie Sheen because, like, like you said earlier, like the small amount of time that he's actually in the movie. Yeah. I feel like you, you, can, you can put someone in and be like, you know, you got eight scenes. Maybe Emilio Estevez steps in. I don't know. He's, he yeah. might be too short. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, you're right. Hey, we we probably do lose with Major League. I have to think about this some more. Between those brothers, between Estevez and Sheen, like iconic sports siblings. Because, you know, I love M Mighty Ducks too more than anything. Well, we have this new Twitter feed for the rewatchables. Maybe we'll do a poll. If you had to do it over again, would you have rather had Charlie Sheen and Bull Durham than Major League? I'd be interested to see what the responses yeah. are. All right, who won the movie? I say Snipes. Wow, Snipes. I mean, you've told me things that have like just like ruined this movie for me. <laughs> like I'll never see it again. <laughs> but I wrote down before all of the nonsense that that Snipes won the movie, but you know, I'm 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 staying there. I'm okay. not, I'm, not, I'm not wavering. 
I can't believe I'm saying it, but I, I'm going with Charlie Sheen. <laughs> That's on you. That's. <laughs> I just think I love Wild Thing. I love that character. His PR in this movie for the the amount of time he's actually in the movie for what his stats are is off the charts. Every scene he's in is lights out. I enjoy every single moment that he has in this movie. He's the most realistic baseball player. Um, he's way up there in any conversation. He's with Costner and all these other guys. And and I think him walking in and in in the final game and then striking out Clue Haywood is one of the better sports movie scenes ever. Yeah. So I'm going with him. And I also loved his quotes about James Gammon. And I want to know more about James Gammon and Charlie yeah. Sheen on the set in 1988. What what exactly happened? I could read a whole oral history about the poker games at James Gammon's hotel room. What one my my one reason I love Sheen is that I think it's like an iconic fashion role. Yeah. Like between the glasses, the earrings, the haircut, and most important for me, the sleeveless tuxedo jacket oh, from the amazing. Amex commercial. It's like it's pretty. It's it's pretty iconic. So like for that, I do the French restaurant outfit is pretty great too. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's yeah. every scene he's in. It's hard for me to believe that they were making this movie and and just refusing to realize that him and Snipes should have been in more scenes. Yeah. As as they filmed the seventh scene with Tom Berenger and Rene Russo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, back he stalked it to another house. Cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right. So we cut the scene where uh where he's waiting outside her house at four in the morning in his car. Um all right, remember Brown. We did it, man. We we, we, did we it. banked I, our first rewatchables together. This is wonderful. I'm pumped. This was this was very this was very fun. And even though you um, have pretty much ruined Wesley Snipes, like more than tax evasion did for me. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to do this. Yeah. And happy anniversary to you. Happy 30th anniversary. Thank you so One much. One of the classics. Uh, thanks for coming on. And don't forget to check out the, or follow the Rewatchables Twitter feed where you can engage with us on all this stuff. Thanks, Rambert. See you later, Bill. All right. Thanks to Sling. Don't forget about sling.com slash Rewatchables promo code ringer. Uh, don't forget about our Twitter feed. It is called at the rewatchables and you can follow what we're doing with next movies, polls, little, uh, little goofy facts about the movie, whatever you want. We have all of it. Uh, and don't forget about game of Thrones on the ringer.com as well as our post game show. Talk the Thrones, which launches Sunday night on Twitter at ringer or hashtag talk the Thrones back with field of dreams next week. Until then. Mm-hmm.